Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at church. Uh, let's pray together, and we'll look at Luke chapter 14. Please pray with me. Father God, we thank you so much for your grace, your generosity, your kindness, your love. And we pray, Father, now that we would gaze at who you are and be filled with thankfulness and filled with joy and that you would move our hearts to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this is my kind of sermon, my kind of passage, because it's all about food. It's all about a banquet, a feast. Just imagine you are sitting at the table of a huge, wonderful banquet filled with your favorite food. What would be on there? For me, hands down, would be pancakes. Absolutely pancakes. Um, my wife, Christine, always laughs at when I asked her out on our very first date. And I said to her, Christine, I'm going to take you somewhere really nice. And I took her to Pancakes on the Rocks. First date. Pancakes would be on there. Vanilla malt thick shakes, probably, definitely. Always got to have malt. Got to be thick shakes. None of this milkshake business. They'll all be on there. Mangoes, for me, that'll be on there. None of that's on here, but it's still a beautiful banquet. We've got it ready for us this morning. Just imagine you're... You've been invited to an incredible banquet. Well, in this passage this morning, we see that we have been invited to an insane, wonderfully beautiful, tasty banquet. Not necessarily literal food, but a banquet in heaven with God that's going to last for all eternity. Jesus is having a meal at the house of a Pharisee. As Pharisees were one of the religious rulers of the time. He's sitting down, he's eating with the Pharisees. And you know when you invite one of those dinner guests over that just says something controversial, controversial, says something a little bit radical, and the whole dinner party falls silent? That's Jesus. He's having this meal, and he starts to say something radical because he starts to talk about a different banquet, a different feast. He starts to talk about the banquet that's awaiting every Christian on the final day, the banquet of heaven, the banquet of eternity. Look down your Bibles at Luke chapter 14, verse 15. When one of those at the banquet, at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This Pharisee, this religious leader, he knew about this banquet that was coming. It had been promised in the Old Testament. And he says to Jesus, blessed is the person who's going to eat at that banquet. That's going to be fantastic, Jesus. That's going to be exciting. I'm going to be there. Can't wait. And you've got to know straight off the bat that don't believe the lie that heaven is just going to be boring. Don't believe the lie that heaven's just going to be sitting around on a cloud playing a harp Heaven is going to be a feast. Heaven is going to be a banquet. It's going to be a time of experiencing God, praising Him, worshipping Him for all eternity. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. It's going to be all-you-can-eat, but not like one of those all-you-can-eat buffets at Sizzler that just makes you feel a little bit gross afterwards. It's going to be satisfying. It's going to be life as it was meant to be lived. This is what the Pharisees and the Jews had been waiting for, for, for since they read the Old Testament scriptures, actually. In fact, up on the screen, you can see Isaiah chapter 25. 
And this was the banquet promised in Isaiah 25. It says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all people. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Isn't that wonderful? The banquet that was promised is a banquet of rich food and aged wine. None of this cheap Aldi wine. That's not going to be there in the banquet. Rich food, aged wine. It's going to be incredible. The best of meats. But not just that, at the banquet, God will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more death. No more pain. No more suffering. It's going to be a great banquet. And it's going to be a banquet of rejoicing. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a celebration because we're going to be proclaiming, this is our God. He saved us. He rescued us. He has brought us from death to life through his son. It's going to be a wonderful celebration as we feast together for all eternity. The the closest I've ever gotten to a banquet, which I could feast on for as long as I wanted, was our honeymoon and uh, Christine and I, we went out to a... There was a we were on a, an island in Fiji, and we, we'd prepaid for our meals, a three-course dinner, prepaid for, already paid for. And we went there and we ordered, both of us ordered our three-course meals. And Christine started to feel a little bit sick. She said, I'm, I'm going to go back to the room. I said, are you sure? Do you want me to come with you? She said, no, this is the only chance you've got to eat. You stay here, it'll be fine. I said, all right. And so I enjoyed a six-course <laughs> dinner. It was just brilliant. I promised I was a good husband. I made sure she was okay afterwards, took her a bit back. But gee, it was fantastic. Everyone thought I'd had a fight with her because she left halfway through the dinner. But just beautiful food, rich food that I could just eat to my heart's content. And that's just a sneak peek. It's nothing compared to the heavenly banquet we are going to be enjoying for all creation. Isn't that right? Life as it was meant to be lived with God for all eternity. And so the question this morning that God's putting towards all of us is, are you going to accept that invitation? Are you going to accept that invitation to that banquet? Because that's what he gave up his son Jesus for. He died on the cross to pay for your sin, to welcome you into his family, so that you could partake of the eternal banquet in heaven with Jesus forever. Do you long for that? Does that make your mouth water? Not necessarily the literal food we can see up here, but just this idea of being with God, death done away with. Does that make your mouth water? Maybe some of you this morning, you come into the room, into church, and you're feeling burdened, you're feeling weighed down by life, I've already spoken to some people this morning for whom that's the case. And yet God is just holding out to you this hope of this banquet. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. 
Well, this Pharisee, he says, oh, I can't wait for the banquet, Jesus. And Jesus starts to get confronting. He tells a story of a master running his own banquet to explain this heavenly banquet. Look in your Bibles at verse 16. Verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. The first thing you do when you're holding a party, holding a dinner party, is you send out the invitations. You work out who you're going to have at the party. Are you going to have crazy Uncle John? Are you going to have that friend that doesn't really get along with anyone else? Who's going to be there? Who's on the guest list? That's what this man does. He's holding a feast. He comes up with the guest list. And notice that key word there in verse 16, many. He invited many guests. This party he's holding is not an intimate dinner for just one or two people. It is a huge banquet. Many are invited. And you need to know this morning, it's the same with God's banquet in heaven. He has extended the invitation to everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your nationality, your age, your sexuality. It doesn't matter your background. I mean, there is nothing that can stand in the way of God extending this invitation to you. Many, many people are invited to the banquet. He's, that's God, isn't it? He's, he's so generous. He's so lavishly generous in the invites. He gave up his son so that all of us might find life. And so if you're in this room this morning and you haven't yet responded to the invitation, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this sermon to actually accept that invitation and become a Christian. Well, in the story, how do people respond to the invitation? Maybe you're someone, when you get an invitation in the mail, maybe you're like uh, my wife, you get the invitation, the hard copy, and you go, oh, wow, how beautiful. You admire the paper they've chosen, the fonts, the pictures. You take delight in putting it front and center on your fridge. Maybe you're like that. For me, when I get an invitation, I just want to know who, what, when, where do I go, and I put the details on my phone and then throw that thing in the bin. That's me. How do you respond to an invitation? How do these people respond? Well, the invitation goes out, and notice there's actually two invitations. In the first century, when you were throwing a party, you would send out two. The first invitation you'd send was the the normal invite. Come along, throwing a barbie, 3 p.m. this Saturday. The second invitation, though, was like the summons. It's when you send out an invitation and go, okay, the food is ready. It's on the table. Please come now. So the man sends out the first invitations, and he gets a whole bunch of RSVPs. I'll be there. Can't wait. See you soon. But then the second invitation goes out, the summons, and the excuses start rolling in. Look at the first excuse, verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. 
This isn't actually a great excuse if you think about it. Most people would inspect their field long before uh, it was bought. This isn't a great excuse. The field's still going to be there tomorrow. He's already RSVP'd and said yes. Plus, it's a dinner party. You wouldn't normally inspect fields in the nighttime. Now, for this man, property, property had captured his heart and become a priority. And isn't it true for us today? The way in which property can just capture our heart, become an idol. We look to property for comfort, for security. Instead of God, we, we over-mortgage ourselves so we feel just a slave to working and the stress that comes with a big mortgage. And property just grips us and becomes our priority. And for this man, he rejects the invitation. Well, the second excuse comes through, verse 19. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Now, for this man, his priority was his work. His work. This man was clearly very, very rich. Five oxen, it's kind of the equivalent today of buying five tractors. Okay? It's a big purchase, and chances are he would have tried them out already. He didn't need to try it out on a Saturday night. Now, for this man, his work had come first. And isn't it true? In 2019, here in Sydney... All the cultural analysts talk about how our society finds our identity in our work. That's why when you talk to someone who has been laid off or lost their job, for many people, it's like an identity crisis. Because our identity is so tied to what we do, our jobs. For many of us, we work so long, longer than anyone else has in history, really, and it crowds out God out of our lives, or even entirely. And work becomes the priority. And we give up the invitation. Well, the third excuse comes through. Verse 20. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, you'd think that's a pretty good excuse. The guy's on his honeymoon, right? It's not his honeymoon, but actually he's pretty rude. He doesn't even say, please excuse me, this guy. He just said, sorry, I can't come. No, sorry, he didn't even say sorry. He just said, I can't come. Bulls out. For this man, family was number one. Family had come above accepting the invitation. Property, work, family. Now, these things aren't necessarily bad themselves. They're actually good things but they'd taken the place, become so core to these people that it meant they rejected the invitation. What excuses do people make today? Many of us today in our society, these are the excuses we put forward for ignoring Jesus. But there's plenty of other ones, aren't there? I'm too busy focusing on my hobby. I just need to, need to dedicate my life to this passion of mine, and then I'll think about Jesus. I've got a lifestyle I really want to live, and I know if I follow Jesus, it's going to come in the way of that lifestyle, so I'll think about the whole Jesus thing later, or I'm not interested at all. Well, the person who says, 
well, you know what, I might be interested in Jesus, but I'll think about that when I'm on my deathbed, when I'm getting close to the end of my days. For now, I've got other priorities. But you know the scary thing is? The feast, it's still going ahead. The master still throws the party. And these people risk missing out entirely. And it's the same with us today, those who ignore the invitation. See, what happens next is new people get invited and the guest list, it's pretty surprising, the guest list. Look at verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. It's not that God is insecure and he goes, oh, I really need everyone at my party. I can't handle the fact that some people have pulled out. I'm I'm so insecure. No, no, God doesn't need any of us at his eternal feast in heaven. He's been God for all eternity. But he's a generous God. He wants as many people in that feast as possible. And in this story, the master goes out and invites the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Why? Well, these were precisely the people the Pharisees never invited. You heard that in that passage before. It was read before. The Pharisees, when they threw their parties, it was all about the who's who of guest lists. They invited the people with the nice houses who would repay the invitation to them and invite them in turn back to their place. They invited the people who had great connections so that they could network over dinner and make, make contacts with people that would further them in society. It was all about them. And so what Jesus challenged them in verse 13 is, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You see, the poor can't repay the invitation necessarily. Jesus says to the Pharisees, invite the people who can't repay you, and then you'll be blessed. And that's what the master's doing. You know, that's what God's doing. The invitation to heaven is open to the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, definitely. But in a way, that's all of us. Because none of us can repay God for the invitation. None of us. None of us can earn our way into the feast. None of us have earned an invite because we are someone special or because we're extra impressive to God or we have something to offer. We are all bankrupt. We've all sinned. None of us deserve an invite. But it's only because of his grace, his love, his kindness. Well, the invite goes out even further. The invite goes out to the people in the lanes, the streets, the alleys. Some people say what's happening here is the invitation first went to the Jews, God's Old Testament people, who had heard about this feast in the Old Testament, and because so many of them rejected Jesus, not all of them, by the way, but so many of them had, 
the invite now went to the Gentiles, to people from every nation. But the point is clear. Jesus wants everyone in his feast. And notice that word there in verse 23, compel. Go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in. That's what we're meant to be doing as Christians. We want to compel people to come to the feast. The invites have been sent out. We want to compel people, not make people. We can't do that. But we want to persuade, plead, because we want people we know and love to be with God for all eternity at the feast. And that's why as Christians we are called to to tell people, to invite people, to persuade. Well, the tragedy is the people that were first invited, they missed out. They were like the people who, you know, they get a Facebook invitation to an event and they click maybe. And those people, they just can't commit. They click maybe. They're basically saying, I'll see if I get a better offer. But really, these people actually didn't get a better offer. They missed out on the best offer. They missed out on the feast. Look at verse 24. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. What's Jesus saying? Remember, he's sitting with the Pharisees, sitting there at the table, and he's talking about the Pharisees. This is what's so radical. These Pharisees they thought they would be on the guest list. They thought they'd be on the guest list because they had received the first invitation from the Old Testament prophets. They'd been told about this feast that was going to come in heaven, had that first invitation. They had advanced warning. They were Jews. Uh, But they rejected the second invitation. They rejected Jesus. They were so dependent on their own religious good works, their hypocrisy. They they were hypocrites. They, they, They thought that they were good and really inside they were empty. They thought they were good enough for God. They thought that would earn them on to the guest list and yet they actually missed out on a seat at the table. And instead, the people who had nothing to offer, who all they did was accept the invite, end up in the feast. You know, this is a warning for all of us this morning. God's warning us all. The invite is there. His mercy and grace and love is extended to all through Jesus. But don't for a second think you're going to be on the guest list because you've gone to church your whole life. Don't think you're going to be on the guest list because you are a moral person, a kind person, or the highest virtue in our society at the moment, a tolerant person. Because to be on the final guest list, it's not about earning our way. We can't. It's about accepting Jesus following him, trusting him, realizing we are sinners in need of saving and accepting that gracious invite. That's the only way. That's the only way. Any other way and we miss out. 
There's a beautiful line from a hymn by Isaac Watts. It says this, While all our hearts and all our songs join to admire the feast, each of us cry with thankful tongues, Lord, why was I a guest? So will you send your RSVP? What will be your RSVP? The invitation has gone out. Will you trust him? Will you follow him? Or will you depend on yourself? Can I say, if you do accept the invitation to follow Jesus, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. In the rest of our passage, Jesus talked about commitment. He's just explained excuses from these three people who say no to the party. Then he calls for commitment. He says, verse 27, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be their disciple. These first century hearers, they knew those words, carry your cross, meant face death. Jesus is calling people to come and die. It's not always going to be easy. I love Jesus. He's not, a, he's not a, a dodgy salesman. He doesn't just talk up all the good things and play down the bad things. He's brutally honest. And often when we talk about Christianity, we just talk about the good things and don't talk about how it's going to involve a cost. It will involve putting Jesus first and not yourself. But you know what? It's totally worth it. It is totally worth it. In this life, it's worth it. Because in this life, we, we're not yet at the feast, but we kind of get to enjoy the pre-dinner canapes and the pre-dinner drinks, enjoying God in this life. But it's especially worth it in eternal life when we sit down at the banquet table and we feast and we rejoice and we praise God for all eternity. So will you accept the invitation? The invites have gone out. Jesus has died for you, risen again. His mercy and forgiveness is on offer. But you know what? The party's going to go ahead. The RSVP window is small. Jesus is coming back. Don't make excuses. Don't let your work make you put it off, your family, your pleasure, your comfort. Or perhaps even worse, don't think that you're on the guest list because you've earned it, because you're a good person. All you can do is accept the invitation. Trust Jesus. And you have the certain hope of being with him forever at that eternal banquet. So I want to give you an opportunity to become a Christian, to actually have this hope of forgiveness and the eternal banquet. On your seats, you should have got one of these invites. On the back, there are four options. The first one is that you've decided to become a Christian today and in just a few moments' time, I'm going to lead us in a prayer and give you an opportunity to become a Christian. 
The second one is that you want to find out more about Jesus. You've still got questions. You're still skeptical. You want to find out more. We'd love to give you some resources. The third one is that you'd like to get baptized and publicly declare your faith in Jesus. And the fourth one is you've been challenged. God's laid on your heart this morning a way in which you're to count the cost and follow him. On the screen is a prayer. I want to give you an opportunity, if you haven't accepted the invitation to follow Jesus, to do that this morning. I'm going to lead us in this prayer. And after each line, I'm just going to leave a moment's silence for you to pray this prayer in your heart to God. Would you pray with me? Please bow your heads. Dear God, sorry for ignoring you and rejecting you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me so that I can be forgiven and become your child. Thank you for your invitation to enter your kingdom. Help me to count the cost and follow you. Amen. You prayed that prayer. The angels are rejoicing. And you have the certain hope of the eternal banquet. You've entered the kingdom. You're God's child. I'd love it if everyone could spend some time now filling out this card. It'd be really encouraging for everyone if everyone did it. Tick the box that best represents you. Put your name and email if you'd like. That'd be wonderful. This is going to the pastors here so we can get in touch with you or pray for you or encourage you. We'd love to do that. The band's going to start playing. And in our next song, there'll be a chance for you to drop these in to the bags as they come round. Let's spend a few moments filling them out.